Welcome back to the Gentlemen. Oh, that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning, Stephen. Great, Gary. How are you? Wonderful. Good to see you. Yep. Well, we're excited. Yeah. First of all, we have so much to talk about, but we can't. You would keep the yep. We can't. We can't talk about much because I know that you. Went to the Middle East, you went to Jordan, we yep. wanted to talk about that, we wanted to talk about you hanging out with your buddy Colin Jost yep. at the Emmy after party, yep. but we don't have any time for that, Steven, yeah, so we yep. just got to jump right in. Yep, let's do it. Uh, Aaron Leonard, oh, our guest is already on the line. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Very nice. Hello. Hello, good hey. morning, good morning. Uh, good well, morning. We are absolutely excited to have our guest on the phone today. We, Steve and I both saw this movie, and as a comic, uh, we both... Absolutely love this movie. The movie's called Robin Williams, Come Inside My Mind. She is the director, the filmmaker of that movie, in addition to many other movies, a movie about Richard Pryor. Um, She did a 30 for 30. Uh, She's here with us today, calling in to the Gentleman's Dojo. Please welcome filmmaker Marina Zenovich, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Marina. (laughs) Party. Hi, guys. Marina said be very gentle on her because it's early. (laughs) And I will tell you, Marina does not do a lot of interviews, so this was a big deal for us. So we appreciate you. Thank you so much being for part the of time. this. I have to tell you, it's so funny. You kind of you 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 know you try to get money to make a movie, and then you get the money, and then you make the movie, and then you do press, and then you know you put it out there in the world. And then it's out there, and then you start the process all over again. Yeah. So I'm kind of into my next process, but I love talking about this movie, and it it meant so much to me to to make it, and I love the response that I've gotten. So I'm ha- happy to be on the show. Marina, is this the the best part of probably the whole process of the movie, getting to do our show, like getting that golden <laughs> ticket? <Yeah. laughs> I just I just love that like someone did my website. You guys reached out to me, and here I am. It's kind of like it, it's uh, you know direct to consumer, right? <laughs> well, we we absolutely love the movie. It's interesting because I started stand up in San Francisco years and years ago, and I'll never forget. This was probably the year two thousand, and Robin was back on the scene, getting ready to go out and do a stand up special. And I ran a uh, a show at this little divey bar in the Mission District called the Paradise Lounge, and the comedy show was upstairs and somebody had later told me once the show ended that Robin Williams showed up downstairs at the front door to come up and do a set and I guess the door guy said oh, sorry man the show's over <laughs> and, and and the show was still going on and whether or not the show was can't the show hadn't been going on or not we would have assembled enough people that we could have given him the show it was so so ironic that he shows up to my show and the door guy said it was canceled. So I remember meeting him on many occasions up in San Francisco. And he's this very just mellow, just very soft-spoken guy. It, it's just crazy. And then the minute he goes on one of the shows and does his stand-up, he just completely turns it on. I get you're reminding me of all the people who would talk about how, you know, I mean, you guys know what it's like more than me. It's kind of like, I guess if you're a comic, each night is an opportunity to go out and and work your material, right? Yeah. It's kind of like he would be always be going out no matter where he was. I love that he came there. (laughs) It's like, I remember Paula Poundstone, who I didn't include in the film because we ended up you know, we interviewed a bunch of people, but we wanted to tell as much of the story through Robin's voice. 
right. that Paula, although we did a great interview, unfortunately she's not in the film, but I remember she told me that every comedy, like little comedy dive throughout the United States she would go to and there would be a picture of Robin Williams with the <laughs> owner because he went everywhere. Like he couldn't stop. He had such a need to perform. And um, I love that. And Marina, just curious, first off, congratulations on the film. It really is just a beautiful, heartwarming film. How did you get involved? Well, it's funny. There were two competing projects. And, um, you won, obviously. Well, we, Congratulations. I guess you crossed the finish line first. Well, we, we merged. We merged. And it was, you know, oh, okay. it was a great kind of, um, I was trying to make a film and uh, Alex Gibney was making a film. And we were friends and we have a history together. And it just turns out that I'd made another movie with Alex on the water crisis in California called Water Empower a California Heist. So, uh, By the way, I saw that recently. Is that on Netflix? Yeah. Yeah, I just saw it. Congratulations. I had no idea you'd, oh, you'd done that. Oh, my God. That's, that's yeah, a heartbreaking no, one. It was, kind of, it was a departure for me, but um, it was a lot of fun to make. I'm from California originally, and uh, it, was, it was really fascinating. It was kind of Chinatown, the documentary. At least that's how it was pitched to me, and that's how I, how I came to do it. But I don't anyway, drink, I don't drink the I... pomegranate now because of you, so thank you for that. <laughs> save me $8 a day. I don't eat the pistachios there we or go. Fiji water or everything, <laughs> which is everywhere. Fiji water has taken over the world. It sure tastes good, though. Yes. Um, anyway, so we decided to merge, and Alex stayed on as producer, and I stayed on as director. So, And, and we were a great combination because Alex is very cerebral, and I'm kind of all about the gut. And so the, the combination of the two, the gut and the heart. And so I think, you know, we really came to this. The whole team just came to it just with a lot of love and wanting to really celebrate Robin and, you know, his immense talent. And, um, and you know, it was hard. I mean, it was, it was hard in the sense that there was so much material to go through. It's really kind of picking and choosing um, what's best and what tells the best story, and there's so much to get into it. And for me, I, I'm a former actor, so it's kind of like I was really inter- interested in kind of um, differentiating the difference between improv and stand-up comedy and acting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he could do all three. And um, anyway, so we we had a great team of producers and my editors, Greg Fenton and Poppy Doss, and we all just kind of, I mean, it sounds kind of hokey, but it's really true. We, we, we were trying to... to to honor Robin, and um, you know, it, I think that's why a lot of people decided to be interviewed. People that aren't normally interviewed, they they wanted to show up for their friend. And and just a real quick. First off, you made me forget. You you reminded me how hairy he was. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> when he was sitting backstage. Oh my no lordy! Yeah, th- that was. There were so many great elements and pieces to this, even with the. The gentleman that followed him around for a month, they got to photograph him uh, for the magazine. I was oh, curious. Arthur Grace. Yeah, that was that was yeah. really great. Now the pictures almost told just as much, if not more, than his description of being on the road with Robin and just how, you know, the minute he was off, he he just, he was just drained and he gave everything. And you 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 cut and you see throughout the course of the film, especially in his later years, how just drenched in sweat he was because he was. So giving, and as a comic, I'm like, man, I thank God I, <laughs> I'm not that energetic. But, 
But I want to ask, you got some, obviously some great insight from the first wife. The, the, his second and third wife were not interviewed. Did they, did they not want to be a part of it? Just, just curious as a, as a viewer there. Of course, yeah. Um, so I reached out to all three of them. The third wife, Susan, did not. I mean, I even just wanted to meet her for coffee. I mean, I think for, for the second and third wife and um, his two other kids, it was too soon. Right. And, you know, I was, I was happy to get Zach, his eldest son, who's just amazing in the film. And I think it was hard for him as well, but I think he realized that this was going to be made and he should probably be in it, but it wasn't easy. Right. I mean, it was it was really hard, and you can see it on his face um, for sure. So, and then Marsha did not want to take part in it, and and I understand. I mean, even you know, so that's that's the two wives, even Bobcat, who I have in the film because I feel like he needed to be in the film because of their friendship. Um, they were extremely close, but Bobcat didn't want to be in the film, and so I put him in an archive. I put him in a the Joe Rogan show that he did because he kind of was around and explains what happened to Robin. Um, you know, I was trying to get it from the source because I could as close to the source as possible since I couldn't get the third wife, Susan. Um, or Bobcat, so I included him. And, I mean, this is all this stuff is really touchy, you know? It's kind of like you come, you have to come into this as the, as the filmmaker, as, you know, you're coming into people's lives. It, it's, it, this is uh, very important and very touchy, and you don't want to kind of rub people the wrong way. You don't want to, you don't want to, I mean, did I beg Bobcat to do the interview? Yes. Right. Did he not do it in the end? No. Did I end up using archive of him because I felt he was in, important in the story? Yes. You know, I, I, I put Marsha in there and I put Susan in there, but you, you kind of, you, it's just a very touchy uh, place to be. And so I come to it kind of with an open heart, but you know, it's, it's hard. How difficult was it to keep the runtime, you know, with within the norm? Because I, I like you, you just referenced a, a few minutes ago. There's so much you could go through, and I remember watching it. And I, it was like halfway through, and we were. I, I remember it was like at Mork and Mindy. I'm like, oh my god, there's so much still to get through, <laughs> and we still have like another hour, I think, to go or 45 minutes. How difficult was it to to keep it contained? I mean, in this day and age of series and two-part documentaries, you know, there is always the question of what is the right length. I think we kind of hit it. I mean, it's a little longer than most kind of one-off films I normally make. You know, right. I mean, the Gary Shandling film that I loved was, I think, what, was it four hours, 20 minutes? Yeah. It was two parts, right? Right. I mean, it's like, could we have done that? Yes. I mean, but this was what we did, and... It, you know, you have to be selective. And I learned very early on in my career that you can't please everyone. So you're always going to have someone bitching about what you didn't include and what a mistake it was. And it's just kind of like it just you have to let it kind of just not let it bother you. But there are other things if we made a longer film that we could have included or would have included. But but we just felt that this was what we wanted to do. And, you know, we focused a lot on the comedy, not as much on 
acting. I mean, there are scenes in there, but mm-hmm. um, and we tried to get different scenes in. It's just so funny when people reach out to me and it's like, why didn't you include this? <laughs> right. You know, which they do, by the way. And you know, please email me and ask me. But um, it, it's just. You, you know, you are working in a structure of a given amount of time. I mean, it's not like we worked on this for 10 years. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's all yeah. kind of part of the puzzle. Um, you are looking in this day and age of YouTube, you are looking for footage that people haven't seen before, which is getting harder and harder. Speaking of the... Of <laughs> you know, the, of, but then you, you, you come across footage like the Critics' Choice Awards, which Mark Romanek told me about. <laughs> I hadn't even seen it. Yeah. That you're watching it and you're like, oh my God, we have to put this whole thing in because this so epitomizes who Robin is, what he's capable of, and his place in this world of right. Hollywood. I mean, and it's just, you know, at a certain point, my editor was like, I'm going to cut this part out about golfing. And I'm like, what? No, it's just so funny. Just let it play. Yeah. And so, you know, you just make these choices. Are they the right ones? They certainly seem like the right ones in the moment, you know? So, um, did you know early on that you wanted to have, um, him, him, have the narrative throughout the course of the film where where you're hearing his voiceover or was there a debate where you're getting interviews and calling it from different people and letting them tell the story? When did you come to the conclusion to to have Robin almost narrate his own f- documentary? I, early on. I mean, yeah. it was something that we talked about and we knew that there was a lot of audio And I think, you know, I've been making documentaries for 20 years. It's like, it's always about kind of like changing the form and making the form more interesting. And it's kind of like, for me, it's always about the emotion. So Mm -hmm. I'm not really that interested in changing the form. I'm interested in making an emotional film that people are engaged with. And of course, having Robin's voice tell it, 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 it's a great idea but it also is who you want to hear, right? <laughs> you know. So, so what we found in the editing room was we wanted more. So we went in with the idea, but as we kept going month by month, we wanted more of his voice. So we'd look for more and more, and and it was kind of like he, his voice fulfilled you in a way that other people didn't. So we so we ended up cutting people because it's like, hey, why don't we have Robin say this? Does Robin say this? And we'd look for his voice. Right. Um, you know, we start the movie with that, just his voice, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to pump neurons. We are about to enter the <laughs> domain of the human mind. And I, I came up with this idea of, and I didn't come up with every idea, but this one I did, which was oh, my God, let's start the movie with this. Right. And my assistant editor was like, oh, HBO will never let you do that. And it's kind of like, you know, because they have their, their what are they called? Not bumpers, like their logos mm-hmm. at the beginning. And we ended up putting them between two logos. But to me, that kind of signals this is, you know, you are inside his mind, and this is going to be a special movie where Robin Williams is taking you through this. And it was kind of like it set the tone and so we, you know, you're you're get you don't get all the archive at the beginning. You get it as you're making the film, and that's part of what's scary about making documentaries. But it's also what's the best part because you're constantly getting new footage, right. hopefully, and then it changes kind of where you're going. And I I found that later on he had done 
he had actually done a podcast and interviewed a bunch of people, and that was just something that he was saying on one of the shows. And I was like, oh, my God, we have to, you know, we have to use this. So I don't know if I'm answering your question. I just kind of get so excited talking about no, this. No, of course, yeah. It's so, it's so fun, but it's kind of scary. And every time you do it, you feel like you're doing it for the first time. And so, you know, um, but I love this movie, and the, the response has been fantastic. And, and it just, we all, I feel like the film was made from our hearts. And, and, yeah. and I, I feel like you can feel that when you watch it. For sure. What what are some of the what are some of the things that, that that maybe got left out you didn't have time for that you know when you hear Letterman speaking, Steve Martin, Billy Crystal, I'm sure that there are some gems that just couldn't make it within the time frame. Are there one or two things that maybe you could share with us that we didn't get to see? Uh, well, there's a lot of comic relief. You know, it's just bits of Robin. It's just like we had to stop at a certain point. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a lot of comic relief, different um, he did a lot of, you know, he's a philanthropist. He did a lot of, um, work for trying to help kids in who had cancer or what have you. There was video of him doing that kind of stuff. It's all the stuff that you don't see, but it just kind of didn't make it into the movie. Um, trying to think what else, different performances where he's on shows. I mean, we looked at everything. It's just kind of like in the end, it's like a big puzzle and, how it fits. I'm trying to think what else. Um, You know, I feel like everything that I really wanted in there got Mm -hmm. in there. Like the, the, the two hairs at the beginning when he talks about, he's it's from uh, a documentary on Juilliard and he is being interviewed and he starts he gets stopped by the DP who says, you know, uh, you have two <laughs> yeah. hairs picking up. And his reaction, I mean, the minute I saw that, you know, that's gold. Yeah. Because, A, no one's ever seen that before. And, B, he's, he's just, it's the essence of him in that moment. Right. You know? Um, yeah, let me, I'm thinking. But I think we pretty much put everything in. Of course, it could have been longer and we could have had more, but... You know, maybe and, there'll be a sequel. <laughs> and, and obviously, Pam Dauber was such an amazing part of that movie. I mean, you know, his co-star in Mork and Mindy, she was just great. Yeah, I mean, Pam was, you know, I watched Mork and Mindy. Um, I, Pam, I was thrilled that she agreed. Her and Howard Storm, who was one of the directors of Mork and Mindy, and Scott Marshall, who came up with the idea of the alien. But Pam was great. I mean, I think they were really buddies mm-hmm. and she appreciated him for who he was and I think really loved him and she gave a great interview I mean everyone we interviewed was you know just really doing it for the right reason and and that kind of you know the camera doesn't lie well you, you know it's interesting you have an agenda uh, sorry if you have an agenda the camera picks it up yeah it's well, very interesting funny you say that because i didn't realize that mork and mindy was the reason that they added that fourth camera to the sitcom that was so crazy to me he changed the form it was nuts Isn't that nuts yeah, yeah just so somebody could follow him around right i mean yeah, that's just no, not mork happening and mindy, getting getting those outtakes i mean talk about talk about you know we interviewed Pam and she said oh I have the outtakes at my house I live right by here do you want to come get them we're like yes (laughs) so um yeah it was it was a great 
a great show. What was the... Obviously, everybody's so familiar with his work and all the interviews, and he was always, you know, a must-see guest on late-night talk shows. When you're going through everything, now that you have a little distance and you can look at it in the rearview mirror, what was what was the one aspect of his personality that did surprise you the most? Um. Well, it was surprising to hear how quiet he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess given the extraordinary amount of energy he he puts out on stage it makes sense but you wouldn't think it you know right. it was it was surprising to kind of hear that he would just like shut off somebody i interviewed said you know you couldn't if it was just you and him he wouldn't really talk but once he got a third person it was like he had an audience so an audience <laughs> too which is really interesting to me i was I was surprised how um, just how smart he was. I mean, of course he was, but to kind of do the research and see, he was just so well-read and just so knowledgeable, and it all makes sense. I mean, like, I've said this before. It's kind of like you can't make jokes about history if you don't know history. Right. You know, it, it, it's just like his mind was just going so fast. Um what else? Just what a philanthropist he was, how giving he was, how he always wanted to help people. Um, I think that's something that that he didn't um, really want to get press for, so he did it for the right reasons, mm-hmm. you know, going on the USO tours. Like, you know, just he, he was everyone's comedian and wanted to be there for everyone, whether it was a homeless guy on the street or, you know, soldiers in Iraq. Or, or children in cancer wards. He would he would go to hospitals on Christmas Day. I mean, it's kind of I don't know. He it, all this stuff was kind of surprising. You know, you go into this and you have this idea of who someone is, and then right. if you find discover all these facets, it's it's fascinating. I remember there was a great moment when I was up in San Francisco, and he there was a good friend of his, a guy named Larry Bubbles Brown, and. Larry was on stage performing, and I remember Robin walked into the the bar that we were performing at. It was a small crowd, and and Robin kind of walked in and and turned around. It was kind of leaving, and Larry said, "Robin, you need to sit through this." I sat through Popeye, (laughs) (laughs) and Robin got a big kick out of that. (laughs) Hey, Marina, I I do have one question for you. You know, when I first started working at the Comedy Store. You'd always hear these wonderful, great stories about Pryor and obviously Robin. And the one aspect of the film I, I, I was curious that you didn't touch upon was, and even as a comic that works there now and hearing all these things, I still don't have a definitive answer on whether he was subconsciously absorbing bits or taking bits from people, or you hear the... Um, the urban legends of him, of his uh, manager cutting checks to comedians at the comedy store if he did one of their bits on late night talk shows. Is this something you had, you had thought of addressing, uh, the perhaps thievery that he had along the way? Because I think even if he was nicking jokes, I don't think he was doing it on purpose. And I think he was going a thousand miles uh, a minute and, and just steamrolling through Sucking to get the up. laugh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we talked about it. Um, it I, I think that he, he, what I gathered mm-hmm. was that he was 
a sponge who was soaking everything up. I right. mean, it, it seemed there were different rabbit holes that we could go down, and this was one of them that that has um, validity to those it those who feel that he did take their jokes. <clears throat> Excuse me, but it didn't really fit into what we were doing. I mean, it's kind of like I saw that it's almost like he goes into this um, uh, hyper state where he's just sucking things up. But that's not an excuse if he did it. I mean, sure. it's kind of like, you know, uh, God knows that I researched that kind of stuff um, and was trying to to see what we could kind of flesh out there. Um I don't know. What do you guys? What do you guys think? I mean, uh, what what's the word out there? I, I've always heard mixed things at, at the at the store where you know there's some comics obviously that are a little older and jaded and not as successful and sure. feel that he was. Right. And I think the comics that are successful that that everybody knows are household names feel that you know he's he was not somebody that worked out of malice. I think he was always a well intended, good human soul, and I think uh-huh. that he probably was just. You know, that mine was churning and that engine, you got to keep feeding the coal into the engine. And I think that's just part of the process. And he was around the comedian so much. I don't think he ever did it intending to take things. Um, I think he was just he was just a comedy machine. I think he was absorbing data. It was going on the Rolodex and sometimes every now and then would come out. Uh, That's that's the way I would perceive it. That's kind of what I thought as well. But also, like when you're doing a piece like this, would it would it? You know, do you want to put a speck of dirt in a in a glass of water? Right. I guess you know, along with that, because I know you touched on the alcohol and the drugs, and I, I assume there's some things that are maybe unsavory that you know maybe you don't want to put in. I guess. Yeah, I mean, look, with every life story, there are strands that you can. Uh, there are different versions of movies that you can make, and this right. is the version that I made. Um, so you kind of, you, it's, like I said, it's a big puzzle that you try to put together. And this was really more kind of celebratory, um, of who he was. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a style and taste thing. Right. So I feel like we hit... I mean, you're you're always going to have people think that you didn't do enough of something, but I feel like we hit enough of the notes that we needed to. Yes. Um, for what we were, what we set out to do. And by the way, just on, on a on a completely separate note, tell us a little bit. I I haven't seen it. I don't know if you have, Steve. Tell us about the Richard Pryor documentary that you did. Oh, that was. A lot of fun. I mean, going into people's worlds and, you know, getting to meet everyone and, and, and kind of craft uh, the life of someone um, is, is a big challenge, but it's a lot of fun. You know, that was made for Showtime. Um, I made it with Roy Ackerman, an English producer who came to me after having seen my Polanski film and wanted me to do it and so it was um I saw that too my god I I, 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 I'm a big fan of yours I've seen all your docs (laughs) thank you um but anyway I mean for me you know Richard's story I mean I I I, what could I say I mean his story is so kind of crazy and it really 
to me, I always think of David Banks, who was one of his writers, who was my first interview. And when I sat down with him and he's like, you know, rest in peace, David Banks, he's passed away. But he just like looked at me like, who are you and what, who are you to tell the story? You know, white girl. That's what I thought. Right. He, that's what he was. And, and, and he, he said something that ended up being the title of the movie, because I think he was just looking at me like, how could you ever tell this story? Right. You don't even know the shit that we live through. And he said, you know, with Richard, you have to omit the logic, which I'd never heard before. And I just thought, oh, my God, my first interview, that's the friggin' title. That's right. like, yeah. I get it. And it's like, if you look at Richard's life through that prism, I mean, you know, what a life he had. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what can I tell you? Interviewed... Uh, Rashawn Khan, his uh, bodyguard. <laughs> I mean, these characters, you know, you 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 don't really come across in life. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, oh my God, I love Rashawn. Rashawn was telling so many great stories, and you know, you meet people when you're making these films that you just want to make films about them. Right, you know? right. You kind of spend your whole life doing that. David Banks, Rashawn, who else? Paul Mooney. You know, how is Paul Mooney? He's a strong cup of coffee. Yeah, I haven't seen him much. in a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what, what is it you're, if you don't mind us asking, what is, can you mention the new project you're working on right now? I can't, but okay. I, I'm sorry. I hate that. I hate that. But it's just easier if it's just on the download. Another but, comic or no? No, no, okay. no. Um, but it is, it is interesting that you do go through this, um, this, you know, there are different um, moments as you're making a film and, you know, you can have a successful film and then it's kind of like you go back to the drawing board and it's like, oh my God, how do you do this? And it's just about what's good about having done this for so long is like at least people have seen your work so they, they have some idea of who you are and what kind of work you do, which is very different than when you're starting out. Um, so... A lot of people saw the Robin film, which, which helps. And I tell people, I don't make puff pieces and I don't make hit pieces. I make right. something in between, which is what I um, aspire to do. Well, I, so. I'll tell you this. My wife and I sat down to watch the Robin Williams doc, and I had to get up to do something, and she was glued to the TV, and she doesn't have an investment in comedy, and she absolutely <laughs> loved it. And when I told her that we were interviewing you for our podcast this morning, she was so excited. So, I mean, that wow, you, you, you really hit on so many different people in a wide variety of aspects. And I got to tell you, it was such a great movie, and I love the story about you know you bringing the film to Sundance after having been there a bunch of times. Now you're going there with this crazy award-winning documentary and that just got to come full circle for you oh thanks yeah it was uh it was great it was great well, and, Marina, uh, we, we do want to thank you for your time but we'd love to have you back on and, and explore oh some gosh. of these other documentaries that i've oh, seen sure. that i'm just like oh my god I, that california one I, i'd love to talk to you about as well but we don't want to take too much of your time but we cannot thank you for crafting such a great film, and even as comics, it really makes us feel nostalgic about our own career paths, and um, you know the fact that we're privileged to get to do this, and the fact that I, you know, when you know you're watching a documentary, 
as yours and you see him on the main stage in the comedy room and you see him at the San Francisco punchline and you know those stages it's all of a sudden you, you you don't take for granted the fact that you perform on the stage as someone as legendary as Robin Williams so thanks for reminding us what a talent he was we really appreciate it and congratulations on a great film oh thank you so much Thank you for your time, Rena. We'll be in touch to, uh, we'd okay. love to talk down the rabbit hole again. And she had a great 30 for 30 sure. on ESPN. I know, we, we got to oh, talk about these. Fantastic lives, yes. So many things. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> the, the, the documentary Robin Williams movie, uh, so great. Come inside my mind. Uh, thank you so much, Marina Zenovich, for joining us this morning. Talk to you soon. All talk right. to you soon, Marina. Thanks, Bye Marina. Now. So great. So that fascinating. Great. There it is. If you haven't seen it on HBO, Check it out. It's on On Demand. It's a great, great movie. There it is. Yep. All right. Marina Zenovich. So much other good stuff that she has. The Robin Williams. Uh, Richard Pryor. 30 for 30. Yeah. The movie that you saw. I didn't even realize that, that was out right there. Now, yeah, there yeah. it is. It's about the water crisis in California. Awesome stuff. Where can they keep in touch with you? Canon Comedy. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> At Steve Byrne Live. <laughs> SteveBurnLive.com. All my tour dates. Uh, keep in touch. Rate, review, subscribe. iTunes. All the good stuff. Thank you guys for listening. Gentlemen's Dojo. Dojo.